welcome to the Work in Progress podcast, brought to you by Work Nicer. This show is hosted by Gabe Kane and Alex Pudisi, talking to local entrepreneurs about their life experiences. This episode features Ernie Sue, the owner of the restaurant and brewery, Trolley 5. All right, welcome to the Work in Progress podcast by Work Nacer. As the name implies, this is a work in progress. This is a story about progress and the process. We literally have no idea what we're doing in terms of structure or exactly how this is going to flow. But one thing we do is we, we believe in community. And a big part of community is storytelling, connecting over shared experiences. And we have a podcast studio, and a podcast seems like a great way to do that. So right. let's see where it goes. Yeah. We? yeah this is a place for, uh, I think, conversations, first and foremost, about the process, conversations about where people are where they're going. And I think it's important to remember that this is a snapshot in time, right? I think the stuff that we're talking about today, um, you know, who knows? I think people were in one place, they're now in this place, and they will be in another place later. And so uh, there's no scripts. There's going to be lots of bumps. There's probably some swearing and definitely some beers involved in this podcast. It's not going to be smooth, but it sure is going to be interesting. So my name is Alex. And uh, who else do we have here? I'm Gabe Kane. I'm joining Alex. We're uh, trying to discover some of these stories together, pull out some of these stories from our guests. And luckily today we've got Ernie from uh, Trolley 5. He's got some stories to share. I'm sure we'll pull out along the way, right? Oh yeah, man. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, in addition to being from Trolley 5, Ernie is the president of the Alberta Hospitality Association. Uh, you've been a football or a, sorry, volleyball coach for years. And yeah. I think we're going to dive into a ton more about who you are and, and what got you here. But that's like a little bit of a weak intro. But why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and we'll just get yeah, right What's your story? Yeah, man. Born and raised Calgarian is I'm pretty sure that everyone knows and literally born and raised in the industry. My family owns a, a restaurant that's been around for over 62 years. Right when I was 18, 19, figured out I was going to drop out of school and just focused on staying in the hospitality industry, which has nice. uh, got me to this shitty place right now that we're at coming out of the pandemic. But I mean, it's, it's you know, I love the city love this community yeah and i really love this industry yeah you have to because we haven't been making any money the last you know year through this whole shit. that's me volleyball wise i've been coaching for over 32 years and that skill gives me you know a good foot when training new staff or athletes are always where i look to first to hire because they generally come in with a different type of work ethic or standard you know what have you so yeah so volleyball's been uh it's been a built blessing for me for for so many years yeah, very, very cool. Yeah. So it wasn't uh, It wasn't like you're, I've talked to a lot of guys who are, hey, I was an engineer for a while. I tried the engineering thing and worked in oil and gas, hated it. And then I decided to go open a restaurant, right? So mm-hmm. yours you're, you're wasn't like this dramatic shift. You just kind of like went with the path, I suppose. I, I was, when I was in school, I was actually in criminology. Oh, no, my, okay. Yeah, yeah. So my parents never wanted me in the industry. My mom, like, Funny. After being in the industry for so long, they never wanted me in the industry. Our industry is long hours, long. Yeah. You know, they wanted me, uh, you know, doctor, lawyer, professional, so forth. So I was in criminology. My plan was um, to either be a cop or to go into law, but a really cool restaurant had opened up in our neighborhood. It was owned by the Claudios group at the time that had 12 nightclubs and restaurants at that time. It was called the Seahorse Pub and Restaurant. When I lived in Minnipur, yeah, we were the last community in the city. Like Shaughnessy, Sundance, none of that shit existed. So I remember that. I went and applied and I was dead on 18. I was blessed and fortunate. I met my mentor at that restaurant 
and just hounded him. And he's like, oh, we'll hire you on as a buster. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not coming on as a buster because that wasn't the cool thing, right? I figured it out at that point. And I was like, I'm coming on as a waiter and kept hounding him day after day after day. Finally hired me as a waiter and trained me from scratch. And uh, well, I guess the rest is history, right? So huh. yeah, just never left the industry after that. And then by 21, I was a general manager in the group and then uh, got into the nightclubs. And um, yeah, that's where it all kind of took off. Hold on. I also want to point out now that your title, at least in the way that you sign your emails, is head bus boy. Oh man, yeah, yeah. That's that's the title, head bus boy. You got right? You have to be a monkey wrench. You have to be able to do everything, right? So, uh, and you have to have that humility. You know, our industry is so uh, finicky that way. You get you the second you get comfortable, now you're uncomfortable, right? Yeah, head bus boy. That's. Yeah, that's the way I sign everything off. <laughs> uh, I like that. Unless I'm dealing with the government, then it is Erdy Sioux Alberta Hospitality Association. <laughs> right, so, right. Yeah. Send me a check. Yeah. No, I like that. Actually, that's that's actually a really good theme for us to come back to. I think a lot of people who end up being successful end up having to work through all kinds of crap and typically have to figure out how to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Yeah. And we found that in sales. We found that in entrepreneurship. We found that in just the hustle in general. Those who just get really comfortable being uncomfortable usually end up coming through the other side. Massive saying in sports too, like in volleyball, you know, um, Lupo, one of our ex-national team coaches, uh, we do camp, some camps together and yeah. that line always comes out. Be comfortable being uncomfortable. You're never going to improve unless you can focus on the skills that you're weak at. Right. Right. So you still have to hone in on confidence side of things on on the skills that you're good at but for sure the, if you can't identify your weakness you're never going to get better so i want to come back to something you said that like your parents own a restaurant that have been around for 62 years yeah i think it might have i think it's actually 64 now 64 yeah. years yeah. 60 plus years that's at like- my age you just lose all sense of wow. fucking time now <laughs> yeah. so yeah that's, <laughs> that's that's older than beef jerky yeah yeah <laughs> This is that's what something my wife would call a non-standard unit of measure. Yeah, right. you're one and a half beef jerkies old. Yeah, right. beef jerky was born in Calgary in 1974. You're Your restaurant is older than yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so that's amazing for like tons of businesses. Period. Let alone restaurants. So it's like restaurants change hands, they change names, they change owners, they open, True. they close, they come, they go. Can you talk just a little bit about that, and not just like the they worked really hard and saved and pulled up their bootstraps or whatever the, you know, not to say that that's their story, but like, right. what does it actually take to run a business and think that far ahead? Well, and what's interesting too, is the preamble, not only they've been successful for 62 years and fought through it, but they're also like, son, don't do this. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. You don't want this. You do not <laughs> yeah. want any piece of this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the silver dragon, you know, um, it's the for lack of better words, it's 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 the immigrant story, right? My grandfather arrived here with basically nothing, started the restaurant from scratch, and uh, the whole family got involved, right? My mom, my aunt, my cousins, my you know uncles, and it's fortunate. It's a, it's an ethnic restaurant, and it's regarded as one of the best in Western Canada. I'm not saying that because it's my family. It, yeah, you know, there's a big gold medal from the Les O'Keefe Society, you know, for best Cantonese cooking at the front door. So, uh, but. Yeah, the work is hard and you have to be passionate about what you do. I think there's a I think there is always this inclination that all of us restaurant owners are automatic millionaires and uh, it's far 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 from the truth, right? We do what we do because we truly love it. You know, once we get into multiple locations, um then that's where it can be, you know, far more profitable, right? So 
Um, but yeah, our industry is not for the faint of heart for sure. Yeah. So when, when you did get into it, you know, what kind of resistance did you get from your parents? Like, were they, Oh man, my mom and I didn't talk for a year. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. She was, I mean, and, and, and rightfully so, you know, I told her, yeah, this is the path. This is the vision. It's going to be criminology. And then it's either going to be police or law. And, uh, I it literally happened overnight. I got hired at the seahorse, worked a week, and dropped out of school. Right, so <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like, I knew. I, you know what? I'll, I'll say this: if there's one thing I was blessed with is I knew right there and then that this is what I wanted to do, and and a huge part I still of that don't was know what I want to do. Yeah, so that's I'm well, now I don't that's know awesome. what I want to yeah. do coming out of this, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I met two great mentors that had a passion behind wine and food and you know service and it just so happened at that time you know we were making very very good money as serving staff or front house staff so so few things quick google search of when was beef jerky invented jeff's famous jerky.com says was 1550 1550 no so anyway throwing that out there also silver dragon website says it was established in 1966 which would be 55 years yeah but but that that is on the upper level Mm. the original silver dragon was on the main floor understood yeah so the the 55 comes off of the big red building with the neon sign that you see there so icon the now icon yeah yeah the icon yeah you said you mentioned mentors a couple times right so one thing uh, at work day, sir, you know, our whole slogan, it's on all the cups you see here. It says no one succeeds alone. Yeah. Right? And so, I love it, man. I'm know, not bullshitting. I love, I love everything about it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, and that's the thing is that it's like anybody who's truly honest that has been successful to any degree will say that they didn't do it themselves. Yeah. Right. And so uh, a lot of people come back and they talk about their mentors and you've mentioned mentors now at least two or three times in this short conversation. So um, who are they? What do they do for you? Well, Todd Perkins was the first mentor. You know, that was at the very first restaurant that I worked at at the Seahorse. And quite frankly, in a span of literally four weeks of working there, I was like, I want to be doing what they do. And then, of course, you meet the cool mentors. You're the 18-year-old waiter. That's the youngest guy there. And then the next waiter is 25. And these guys were seasoned, experienced waiters from the keg or Caesars. or Because it was a high-end restaurant, the Seahorse Pub and Restaurant, when it first opened. Hmm. You had to know wine. You know, average plate would be prime rib and lobster tail. You're looking at $50 a head just on that entree. Mm -hmm. So yeah, meeting them and learning about food and wine, beer. But the bigger one was work ethic, right? So, Mm -hmm. because I was still competing very, uh, you know, I was still competing in kickboxing at that time, uh, probably nine years at that point. And then still coaching volleyball. I was one of the youngest coaches to win city championships, you know, right at 19. So work ethic inside a restaurant coming from the mentors is, you know, was crucial coming up at that point. Right. Yeah. So, <clears throat> but still having fun. Yeah. Right. Like it's, that was the balance. And sometimes it went completely the wrong way with having <laughs> fun. Right. So, yeah. What do you mean? Here, do you oh, care to elaborate? Shit. Like you'd be... <laughs> You know, you're, you're, you're getting off shift. You've got like 400 bucks in your pocket after, you know, working a long shift, but making great money. And the unfortunate part was at the seahorse, you know, as a waiter in the restaurant, we'd be done at about 11, 1130. Mm-hmm. Wow. Guess what? Electric Avenue. Let's bomb down there. Yep. Yeah. And that's when the Avenue was, was it. I ended up, ended up running the Avenue for a while. I was like, 
the Fox and Firkin, King's Horse, and Claudio's. Number back when the Avenue was Electric Avenue. The thing. The yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, which is crazy because it's like, despite how you don't look old, you're you're kind of old. Oh, I'm old. <laughs> I'm fucking yeah. old. Let's not let's not make any mistake there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so. So, like you said, so you're saying immigrant family, work hard, don't go into the industry, you did it anyway, didn't talk to your mom for a year, stayed in it since. So what was it? And this isn't meant to be a cliche question. Truly, when if you think about it, what is one of like those big, huge hurdles in the, in that journey? Mm-hmm. And then I kind of want to dive into that. Like, well, whatever it is, it's like, okay, this can be some hard thing, but let's talk about the actually overcome yeah, that simple hardship. Yeah, because it kind of sounds like, oh, I was born into this yeah. thing, and then I but knew the what I, I wanted to do. But the way I answer that is, is, let me ask, answer a question with a question, right? Mm. It's like, well, how'd you guys get here? Right. Oh, right? Mine, mine is twisted as hell. I yeah. mean, oh yeah. Like, so, I, so tell me how you got here, and I guarantee you it's not going to be very far off. I mean, it's probably going to be a lot more dirtier on my end in terms of like the shit that you see or have to go through, but yeah. Yeah, so I'm the son of a civil servant. Yeah, right. So he, my, my, my dad worked for the government for you know yeah. my whole life, and so you know I got to a point. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just work for the government. I grew up in Ottawa before I moved to Calgary, and and uh, oh, you're so, one of those. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, I moved, I moved to Calgary. And I was like 15 or so, but at, at one point, I'm like, I'm going to be a diplomat. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a diplomat. So I, I, I did a double major of poli sci and international relations. I thought I was going to do that, but being a child of a civil servant, I'm not a trust fund baby. I had to pay for my own school. Yeah. I had to figure out how to do that. I had no scholarships. Mm-hmm. You know, I was lazy in high school. And uh, so I took a sales job selling alarms in the summertime and knocking doors. And I sucked at it at first, but I eventually figured it out. And I kind of got stuck in that world for a while. And um, eventually, I, uh, this was a pivotal moment for me. Pivotal moment. I remember where I was. I flew to God, San. I hate that word right now. Pivot, but keep yeah, going. Yeah, it's yeah. One of, yeah. This, this, <laughs> but this the pivotal, is, I don't mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it was one of those. If I moments. hear fucking pivot one more time, I was like, hey, what else have you guys done to pivot? But yeah, yeah, yeah pivotal. Yeah. yeah, this this was one of those moments. I, the the company flew me to San Diego to train up. They had acquired this other company. I was I flew down there to to train up some some salespeople they had acquired, and I was listening to a book called The Effective Executive by Peter Drucker. And he I t- know that book. Yeah, you yeah. know what? Yeah. So I'm, I'm door knocking, I'm selling. And, uh, and he, he mentions in there specifically, um, he was talking about effective and efficient. And he said, no matter how effective a door-to-door sales guy is, he will never be efficient. And it just like hit me. I'm like, exactly right. He's talking to me, right? At the moment. And I'm like, I, it's true. I'm never going to be efficient. I can only talk to one person at a time. I got to redo this pitch over and over and over again. So I'm like, well, how do I change that? You know, what could I do? How do I create both an effective and an efficient mom? You know, and anyway, so that sent me down this whole rabbit hole of digital marketing stuff. So I've been, I've been kind of in and out of that path ever since. Man, oh man, there, there are bumps along the way. And now with tech, how's it, like, how's it going? Yeah, good. So now yeah. I run an agency, yeah. and um, and that uh, is great and sucks at the same time yeah. for a lot, you know, a lot of reasons. It's not a great business model either. Yeah. Um, but I've learned a lot, and and I enjoy what I do. So that that part is really cool. And I'm trying to find more effective and efficient ways of that model as well. So I'm making changes there quite a bit. Yeah. But man, I've, I've I had failed startups between. Um, one of them was with Alex. Um, we've, I've, I, 
ended up having to freaking take a job at one point, which uh, was cool for a little while. <laughs> but, but, man. How was that shower in the morning? Uh, like, it was just. Every morning, it's like going to the new job. Yeah. Seriously, after yeah. a while, and it was a good job, and they paid me well, and they treated me well. It was cool, but it was just not what I wanted to do, you know? Yeah. So, I remember telling my dad. Was it a contracting job? Like, was it uh, consulting or? No. It was a job job. It was a job job. Yeah, yeah. And it was a good job. I was, I was, yeah, I was, I was a VP at an oil and gas service company for a few years. And, oh, man. And they treated me well, and, uh, and they paid me well, and there was no complaints. And so, when I went to my dad, I'm like, dad, I want to shoot myself in the face. Like, I just can't. And he's like, well, son, you know, sometimes we just got to do, <laughs> do what we got to do, do. You know, you just got to. And, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. well, I'm quitting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so after the, after the reinforcement, it's like, oh, you got to do what you got to do. And it's like, well, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Yeah. You've given me, you give me the perfect leverage. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm like screw you, dad. Yeah. You know, so I just, you know, rallied all my teenage angst and I'm like, I'm out of here, you know, and I didn't really have a plan, had some savings and had to stumble along the way, but I'm still figuring out what I want to do. So I'm envious to someone who's like, oh yeah, I was 18 years old. I met my mentor. This is what I wanted to do. I'm like, yeah. that sounds amazing. Oh no, but don't like, let's not get this mixed up. They're like, <laughs> I can't count the number of times that I didn't know, like halfway through this industry, I was like, should I even be doing this anymore? Like, yeah, you know, you're getting off at uh, four or five in the morning, you get everyone to Denny's and can we stay up long enough to make Cactus Club Bellinis at 11 o'clock? Like, you know, that's <laughs> oh the kind of cycle you're going through that it's two o'clock. All right, let's go take a nap and do it all over again. So, you know, I, I've, there are many times, so many times, there, there was a lot, there's a number of years where I wanted to leave the industry and just coach just coach mm. volleyball how, how do you get through those moments because i i know exactly what you're talking i'm in about. that moment right now i don't yeah. want to lie to you yeah i won't fucking lie like you know coming out of the pandemic coming out of two years of straight construction in front of our restaurant we opened up in the middle of the recession that was uh brilliant and 16,000 square feet don't forget this yeah. isn't you know the restaurants that i used to own like 1410 classic jacks you know you're in that 7,000 square foot model it you know it becomes very easy rhythm wise right you know, we opened up 16,000 square foot brewery in the middle of a recession, two years, a year after we're open, two years of construction hits on 17th Avenue that annihilates the whole street. I'm watching business after business go down. And then right after, you know, we finally start to get into rhythm and pandemic hits, right? So, uh, you know, I've even questioned it now. I'll wake up in the morning some days like going, holy shit, like, is this what we really want to be doing? Totally. But the brewery, which I love, which I've always wanted to do you know probably since 21 um that's what keeps me going right now the restaurant my people keep me going like the staff that i have and um to watch some of this younger generation rally during the pandemic i, I don't the conversation was in the first lockdown like we went from 85 staff to five whoa and the five staff that i kept on i was like i have to be completely honest number one there's going to have to be a pay reduction. You know, there's the CERB and then we're going to be just above the CERB, right? So I understand if, if you don't want to do this, Yeah. right? That's but a- number two is if you do and whoever wants to stay, this is going to be like a six-day week. Like this is going to be a six-day week. We're going to have to grind it out. And, no pay uh, long hours. Who's in? Yeah. <laughs> like no pay, long hours, and we have no idea how, how this shit's going to turn out yeah. after the pandemic, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, if it wasn't for the people I have, I don't know if, you know, there've been, it's crossed my mind many times about 
maybe I'll just close up the restaurant, run the brewery at a last spike and gypsy brew for two years because I don't have to have bricks and mortar and, Mm -hmm. you know, for a certain period of time. But then I look at the people that have stuck it through and the staff that like our whole team is back. Like like after all these lockdowns, the whole team has come back. That's amazing. Like 85. Like, uh, well, out of the 85, we're at 76. Wow. Right? We Ooh. lost a couple along the way, but not, you know, the, to another profession or, right? You know, there was a point after the second lockdown where, you know, with the general manager Warren, I'm like, yeah, let's get it. Let's tell everyone to come back right. and expect 50% of them to come back. We'll probably have to hire. Right. Well, guess what? They all came back and we're like, holy shit, we don't even have the shifts, right? Mm. right. You know, so, because right. there were so many restrictions in place. Well, and you guys have carried so much the load of this whole pan. I mean, like, I, I can't even imagine what kind of feelings you have around, you know, when, when someone says something like, hey, we're all in this together. Oh, yeah. fuck, that's <laughs> not true. That is the <laughs> furthest thing from the truth after everything my industry has had to endure. Seriously. But oh, I will man. say this, like, the, the biggest blessing that has come out of this pandemic is um, the other entrepreneurs and restaurant owners that are on my board across the province. Mm. like you we've got Derek and Grand Prairie and and you know he he's got that insight about what's happening in northern Alberta right especially now that oil and gas is like out of there right Mm. uh Brennan that owns Bo's Bar and Grill and Red Deer which is one of the best live music venues in western Canada and has brought up so many amazing musicians through that building and now not only is his restaurant closed but now musicians are like done for yeah you know 15 months right so and that was hard before oh yeah. it was hard musician, already hard right? before especially in in alberta mm-hmm. as a musician right so yeah. that's been the biggest blessing is being able to meet some you know some more because of the, i think there's a mindset that we're yeah i mean we consider each other competition but it's a very tight-knit oh, yeah. community the hospitality industry right so i want to go back to something you said so you said that you were in it right now Gabe said that you were, he was envious of you having like figured it out and whatever. And you said, don't kid yourself. I'm in the middle of this right now, wondering if this is mm-hmm. where I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to be doing, if I want to keep doing it. So you quickly flipped that script and went into all of the blessings and the people and the greatness. And that's mm-hmm. one thing that I've admired about chatting with you too, is you seem to be one of the strongest, most resilient, hardest working motherfuckers I've ever met. Right. And so for, for, for me to hear you say that where you're like, you're in it right now, mm. when most people would think people in your industry and in your shoes are like, finally, we're at the very end of this. And for right. you to still right. saying that right now, mm-hmm. it's like, that is just like, that, that's like a chink in the armor, right? That's like a little thing. So I, I want to dive into that a little bit. Like, where are you at? Where's your head at? How, well, my head's how at, are you? Yeah. I, I'm like, I'm not saying this because you're sitting here. Yeah. Um, a huge part of the reason of, of us getting involved with work nicer and trying to mobilize my some of my managers over at work nicer is you know in these moments and these are very fucking dark times right now Mm -hmm. i will not lie like you know you know you come out of this pandemic everyone's in debt if you're an entrepreneur if you're in our industry more in debt. yeah you are way in debt like you you got plexiglass masks sanitizer and now you have restaurant owners taking out loans to build their patios. Yep. For me, to be honest with you, the spaces that you have a work nicer to see the younger generation of entrepreneurs, and you can see them, they're digging in at that table, having their coffee and getting up and pacing. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit of a recharge, right? Cool. Because it's like, okay, you know, we've gotten through this. We've had to go through literal hell 
Um, so now it's like, okay, you know, let's recharge our team and let them recharge me. Right. So, uh, but for me, the hardest part is you, you know, there are, and I, that's not a lie. It's like, maybe I should just pack it up. Maybe it's time to take a break and then restart in a year. Like there's lots of great lease spaces coming open. But you're still thinking that. Or there have been, oh yeah, I wake up every morning. I'm like, holy shit! Now what? Right? Like, wow. you know what? The reason why I loved my business mm-hmm. is now the reason I hate this business. Like, so the reason I've always loved this business is no day is ever the same. Mm. No day, no day is ever the same. No day is ever the same with training someone or having to deal with. And this is the blessing of coaching, is you know, for the restaurant owners out there that are like, I'm sick of babysitting. Get out of the industry. Huh. Because yeah. we're coaches. I mean, we, it's never going to change, right? So we can either coach our team and be better, or we could complain about them and it stays stagnant, right? So, but now the unpredictability of waking up every day and, and having to deal with the government, right? <laughs> Which, and let's say, keep this in mind, I am a born and raised conservative, right? So right. this is paining me every day to, be, to see how, you know, this, and believe me, no government is in a good situation across the province right now, mm-hmm. uh, but definitely with our industry, it could have been handled better. Um, and anytime I'm like, anytime I think we're going through shit, I just think about the fitness industry. Yeah, true. Oh, I yeah. just think about my friends in the fitness industry and I'm like, yeah, I don't even know how the hell they, they did it. Like, you know, you look at some of the, you know, YYC, they can't, they can't do takeout. A lot of them didn't. Yeah, yeah. You can't do online because people are buying Pelotons like they're fucking chiclets right now. Right. So <laughs> it's, so I, it, you know, that, that brings me back to a little bit of humility and, you know, we, we have been able to open and try to grind through it, but there have been so many restaurants that, that have not made it and good restaurants that have been around for longer than five years. Now there's pent up demand, right? I mean, as soon as, as soon as patios are open, patios were packed, right? You're saying you're taking reservations already. So, uh, you know, there is hope. There's no number. There's no emotion in numbers in your business, your business, my business, right? So the non-emotion in numbers with this government was pure out simple. The hospitality industry is the number three industry, uh, that employs Albertans privately in the province. That number is non-emotional. Um, coming out of the first lockdown, the hospitality industry was the number one industry to hire Albertans back, period. Might mm. be minimum wage jobs, but um, it's getting people off of SERP, right? Getting people off of that unemployment. So, you know, that's why on our end, it's, you know, it's, yeah, we have to fight tooth and nail. If we were a smaller industry looking for the handout or hotels. My God, look at how much staff hotels lost. Mm -hmm. Right. And staff that are in hotels that want a career in a hotel. And now that's all gone. Yeah. Like that, you know, you you know, Banff right now, holy shit, Bow Valley, they can't get staff. They can't because the Australians that they're used to having in the out Mm. of country, which is now banned, right? Like out of country workers, that's all gone. Well, anyway, I can empathize with the whole, like, things get to a point you're like, man, maybe I should just light the whole thing on fire and, you know, walk out the door and just start again. And I've, I've got a separate side business. And even this week, um, it's in the States and it's similar, similar industry, just different, different business model. But even there, I'm like, burn all the bridges. But then there's the fucking idiot side of me that is walking through new locations going, yeah, I've always wanted to have a distillery, so maybe I should make that happen, right? right. So, 
So, you know, there, you know, it's, it's been hard. It's, you know, it's, it's a pivot every day. It's like, okay, do we, do I walk away from it or do I focus and, you know, like keep what we have and which, you know, we're very blessed. We've been busy. We've been busy coming out of this mm-hmm. at Trolley or, and, or now look at these locations and open up a distillery and expand and grow. By the way, by the way, I had this like brisket burger at, at Trolley Five. Oh yeah, that, the Smokehouse Burger. No, it was like it was like brisket on a burger. It was yeah, just, it was like yeah, a special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the That's good the old one. Smokehouse, the meat on meat, the meat sweats. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. It was honestly maybe like one of the best burgers Thanks, I ever had. Man. Yeah, so that's I, mine. Is yeah. it? Oh yeah, it was so good. It was on yeah. special. I got it, and so I I came back the next day, and it wasn't on special. And I'm like, what? Fridays? It's only served on Fridays. And my marketing and branding uh, manager at the time, Mallory, when I put it on the menu, I was like, I want to call it the meat sweats. She's like, okay. And then I'm like, it's called the Smokehouse Burger. So it's so good. That's why you have people uh, running you, right? So yeah, yeah. yeah. And if, you know, that girl, man, if I didn't have her, I'd be dead today. So, yeah. So I still want to go back to this, this decision where you had this realization and then you pulled the trigger. Cause I think so often people, they, if they're honest with themselves, they know what the fuck they need to do, but they are still so resistant to do it for some reason to go and have that conversation with your partners, to pull a shotgun, like that is real real stuff sometimes sometimes you got to pull the ripcord yeah and get out right Mm -hmm. and you got to have the courage to do that but sometimes sometimes you do just have to work through it. you know what i mean and like and and, and knowing the difference is is pretty tricky regret wise um you know with regret wise would have hit me in the second lockdown uh when because george and i still talk right and that's when it kind of hit me like, man, if there is a regret, I regret not having that whole, that relationship stay whole or, there, you know, it's still out, out of my mind about, hey, maybe I do partner up, you know, try to partner up again. Right. Yeah. You know, because, yeah. you know, you get that relationship built. It's hard to walk away from. Right? Well, it's funny you mentioned that actually, because uh, Alex and I actually had a falling apart at one mm-hmm. point. Yeah, yeah, you know, we did. We we were partnered together on something, and we we had something came to a head. Yeah, and there are regrets there. Um, How did you guys get back together? It, well, the way that I remember it, anyway, was that yeah, we this would have been so. First of all, the falling out would have happened in oh, twenty. Yeah, yeah, oh seven, holy yeah. Oh, seven. Shit, yeah, and so yeah, we went. So we had that falling out, and then it wouldn't have been until after I started because we met doing alarm. So the door-to-door sales that he was talking about doing. Yeah. And, you know, we can talk about that. We can do a whole podcast oh, on that can, shit. Yeah, we do a whole series on that. <laughs> yeah. Fast forward, I had started a company after working for other companies here. And my understanding, so please correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Gabe, you know, he kind of got out of alarms, uh, partnered up with somebody doing a another company in Arizona. If I remember correctly, there's a story there. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. That and things did not end great. And so you were coming back to Canada and I think you knew that I had started the company and you're like, well, I know that I can go out and this is what I love about door to doors. There's like the forever fallback plan in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You know, yeah. but it's like, you're like, okay, I'm going to go sell alarms. And, um, you call me up and you're like, Hey, it's, it's been a long time, but you know, can we work something out here? And one thing led to another, led to another, led to another. So you guys still good friends now? Yeah, oh, yeah. things are oh, great yeah. now. Yeah, we've so been tight for darkest time. One year before the pandemic hit, um, 
I lost my best friend and my best man to mental health. Oh. Yeah. So the relationship you guys have right now, cherish. That's the biggest piece of advice I can give anyone. And I think that's a large part of the reason why I try to stay in touch with George as much as I do right now is because no matter what shit happened in the past, if you can't see what's happening in the future, then you better pin down what's here and now. Yeah. So talking about partners, where are you at now? I know Trolley's kind of your your baby mm-hmm. um, or I've, whatever, but what what's that? Where yeah, I've got an amazing, I mean, PJ's my business partner who's the president of Craft Beer Market, right? So, um, you know, he's he's the quintessential amazing partner where it's like, hey, you've got Trolley, you know, he's still like, he'll step in and every now and then say, hey, we need to try to change direction here. Sometimes I wish he was around more. Yeah. Right? But at the same time, because um, I was with him at Craft, right, uh, for as, a couple of years, as, uh, I was brought in as a consultant. Got so it. immediate, and I think that was another reason why George and I did talk. Is when I left my old company, I said, "Look, like I'm going to focus on the ATMs because I was selling ATMs at that time." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm going to take a year off and figure stuff out." And I was blessed. As soon as I left my company, the day I left my company, um, I was getting calls from other restaurants. Will you come and consult? Will you? Are you considering? You know partnering or up and and i didn't return any of the calls and i ran into pj to this day i I laugh about he pulled the jedi mind trick on me he's like hey like rob and i were talking about bringing in as a consultant and um i was like "Uh, consultant what does that look like because to me anything in the industry is an immediately seven out 70 hours right right and um yeah i mean my i'm i'm blessed i've got a great partner right now both ways it's like we could grow or we could just keep raleigh as is and you know, don't forget I'm old. Yeah, so you are. I can't be doing like spring chicken shit. Like, like, you know, I don't know. Think of that. It's like going to happen for the next five years. Um, one question I want to ask, and I don't know if we'll get an answer or what, but people often will talk about doing the right thing, making the right choice. But I want to know, say, when you are in the shit, which you've been in, it sounds like a few times, are there ever moments in your journey that you've had to, you've made a decision that you look back on and say, oh, I wish I'd done that differently. From a like right, wrong, moral perspective. Live music, live music at the snap of a finger. Um, you know, Brennan and I have become very good friends. Brennan that owns Bo's Bar and Red Deer, right? Because the problem with bands, you know, when we when we had Jacks, bands were um, were only you know they were reasonable, right? Like three hundred bucks for a local band, five hundred. And Will, I don't know if you ever remember Will. Yeah, the musician. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah, Will, yeah. Will and I grew up together since grade six. And when we were trying to dig ourselves out of the hole at Jack's, Will was already packing Kaylee's at that time. And he, you know, helped us out by doing gigs for 300 bucks. Like we would ram Jack's because of Will. But not staying the course with live music is one of the regrets when I look back on it. Because as bands started to charge more, we couldn't afford, restaurants can't afford it when it hits a certain breaking point. Mm. right but when you look at the model if you had a you know if you really believed in the band yeah you should have charged the five dollar cover and i learned that the most i learned that from was when i started working for paul vickers when we Mm. opened up the original cowboys when paul showed up to town i was running fox and firkin coconut i mean fox and firkin king's horse and claudio's and when paul showed up to town this guy from edmonton you know saying that he's going to charge cover charge at calgary we we laughed you know what paul did with that cover charge and what he the product that he produced to get that cover charge changed everything. So if I could go back and do every, anything differently, and which I'm going to do coming out of the pandemic, is focus on getting our musicians back up and, and like running. That. Because the musicians are a passion for me. Music is a massive passion for me. Mm-hmm. You know, as a DJ, as someone that did play in a, in a shitty little band coming mm-hmm. up and 
you know, music, you know, to see some of the local talent that we have right now and it's not getting out there. Um, and, and I feel like it's a dying breed. So I've been on the opposite end of that transaction. I've been, I've been the bands, uh, you know, I've played in bands and we, you know, yeah. hitting the circuit. Um, oh man. You know, like the, 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 the ship brunch jam or, or like, like headlined it. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the day. Man, that's awesome. What was the band called? Oh man, at that time when I was a kid, that was Fat Tuesday when I was in Fat, the States. I know your band. I know Fat Tuesday. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it was forever ago. It was high school band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and coming out of high school. And then, yeah. Hold on, but before that, fun fact, did you not do something with Imagine Dragons? Yes, I, I opened for Imagine Dragons at, at one point. Yeah. Right? It was it was it was kind of, it was before they were big, but it but it was playing one of these venues. It yeah. was uh, it Fat was, Tuesday. You would have been around when the Holy Cow Trio was around. Curious George, uh, yeah, those yeah. local bands. Yeah, yeah. I, you guys were the young and come. Up yeah, and we were around. young, and it was fun. And and uh, yeah, it was a different band. I opened for Imagine Dragons in the states. A different band called yeah. Street Legal at that time. And anyway, <laughs> Street Legal. It was a terrible name. <laughs> I was like the replacement drummer in that band, and and uh, so I had no influence on the name. But but anyway, but but yeah, like. It was really important. There were, there were a few venues that we loved playing at that, you know, really fostered, that brought people in. And, uh, and we were, you know, always try to bring our fans to those locations to try to, like, you know, get some money through the door for the... So, yeah, but it's tricky. I feel like it's a dying thing. How do you, how do you feel live music is in Calgary right now? Right, Be honest. Right, like, right, right, right now? Right now. Like, not, not right now. Before <laughs> the pandemic. But even before the pandemic. I feel like... I feel like... Listen, I mean, my age is going to show here, but like, I just feel like there's not that band culture like there used to yeah, be, you know, no. it's, it's missing. Like, like people aren't, but you would still go out at your age to go see a band. Oh, for sure. I still do all the time. Exactly. Yeah. I go to shows all the time, but, but, but yeah, I feel like, I feel like the band culture is dying. I feel like the art of the album is completely gone. Everyone's mm-hmm. trying to pump out some electronic one hit wonder. Don't talk to me about the art of the album. I gave 3,200 records to Record Land back in... <laughs> oh, no. But it's gone, you know? Like, the, <laughs> the, the art of producing an album is gone, and, and you know, I, you know I, was, uh, I, I was a guitar teacher in high school, you yeah. know? And, and I, like, what kids want to learn to play the guitar now anymore? Like, mm. back then, it felt like everyone was playing the oh, guitar, yeah. right? And, yeah. uh, and it's just, I don't know. So I Chicks. would love to see a resurgence of, of live music. I would love to see, like, us bounce off the wall, like, you know, come back to, to analog a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, you yeah. know, I might be dreaming. Well, analog's back. No. I gave 3,200 yeah. records back because they were land. Like my girlfriend at the time's like, look at the amount of shit you got there for a landfill. Like you're just destroying the environment and, and vinyl will never make a comeback. And then I go into like Chinook center and see how much there. I'm like, I had two of those two Pac records. I had two of those. Cause you would scratch with one, play the other. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. 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 Shit. Yeah. So work in progress. You guys tell me what what's the work in progress then? What's the work in progress here? How you know what happens with the next with the next few guests and shit? Well, for me, I'll let you talk next, Alex. But for me, the work in progress is really just trying to like you know where'd you start? Where are you now? How'd you get there in between? But also just letting people understand like, hey man, like I feel like a lot of the stories we get, these success stories are just BS. Most of the time they, they skim across the top and give us some like highlights of how whatever. But I think just understanding like, Hey, we're all trying to build something. We're all trying to get somewhere else. So are you pulling in the, are you pulling in some of the entrepreneurs from work nicer into these podcasts? For sure. Yeah. That'll be be part of it. Yeah. Yeah. What do you see? Cause I tell you, like the youth, I'll tell you right now, servers, bartenders that, you know, when they're 18 to 25s, 
they're going to be really interested in hearing, you know, like when I brought Lotus into work nicer, you know, it's, it's about those young entrepreneurs that they want to hear from for sure. Love that. Not, yeah. not the old guys. Yeah. Huh? Cause if it's work yeah. in progress, then it's going to, yeah. You don't want Jurassic Park like me coming on. Yeah. <laughs> Jurassic Park. Yeah. Yeah. I think to me, it's just, it's this, everybody has a story to tell, right? And you said this in one of our previous chats that really stuck with me and it's that you never know who that story is going to resonate with. And so it's just that, you know, it's, there's going to be little tidbits here and there that people are going to take from this in every story. And so that to me is just like, like, and what is today is not what will be tomorrow. Oh, and God, I think no. it's just not coming out of this. Right. And I think it, to me, it's just, it's breaking down this, the bullshit of perfection, kind of what you were talking about before. And, that success is this straight, linear, smooth line, and this this stuff's not balanced. Like that's the stuff that I want to talk about and and find is just like, listen, this is like this is what you get. There's real people with real stories and real struggles, and like this shit is not easy, and that's okay, right? It's like life's not this easy fucking thing, and so I don't know. To me, it's a, I just want to have that conversation because I think there's just so much misconception about what life is supposed to be and not just in the world of entrepreneurship right i was talking to somebody else today who is into crypto and has margined and leveraged a little bit and you know the market tanked a bit today and they were concerned and i said listen like what's your concern here it's just like well i just have this like affinity against debt of any kind and i'm like debt is this tool that can be used extremely well and society has taught us that debt is evil and yet society tries to sell us as much debt as possible right and that's just one little example of how i think people look at shit and have it all backwards and if we can just dive into like a little bit of that stuff that's the work in progress right really that's it so i don't know that's a little bit of a tangent and a little bit of a specific example but there's just a ton of that that people don't talk about yeah so anyway thanks so much for uh uh playing a part in our experiment uh i'm personally really excited to see where this goes what we learn and uh and who can be impacted from these stories and so ernie thanks for going on the maiden voyage with us even if it didn't make a lot of sense um oh, it's perfect yeah i got i got cider it's awesome it's wonderful so anyway i think that's it that's it over and out right. thanks for listening to the work in progress podcast hosted by gabe kane and alex budisi this episode featured guest ernie sue Listen to this podcast and more at worknicer.com. No one succeeds alone.